Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to understand it and to believe it and to live accordingly. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, uh, sometimes when, <laughs> sometimes when I'm actually having second, second thoughts about sharing this story because, oh man, I don't know. You guys know me, so it's fine. I mean, I'm not destroying anybody's high view of me, I don't think. I think it's fine. Sometimes when someone is telling, I just want to say what's happening in my head. Sometimes when someone's telling me a story, and this is someone I care about, like my wife or my children, I mean, I love the person, but they are telling me a story, and, or they're telling me something, and it's supposed to be interesting, and it's supposed to be important, and I'm thinking the whole time, what am I going to do with this information? Like, what it, I used to say, back when I was young and immature and unsanctified, uh, like last year, I used to say, um, well, there's two minutes of my life I'm never going to get back. That is not very kind. That's not a good thing to say. I don't have the whole, like, being a husband, being a dad thing figured out, but I have figured out, don't say, well, that's two minutes of my life I'm never going to get back. That's, that's never ended well. Um, um, because you, you get information, right? And you're thinking, what am I going to do with this? That's nice, but what do I do with it? What do I do with that information? Um, so maybe you're not a selfish jerk like me who just thinks everything should be about you, and if it's not, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe you're a better person. But either way, uh, the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews is incredibly kind to us this morning. He, he wrote my sermon for me. Um, because what he does is he says, here's the information and here's what you do with it. Are you wondering, you know, are you, are you sitting there thinking, well, that's really cool, but what do I do with this? If you're the kind of person who says, oh, that's neat, what do I do with it? The author of Hebrews is your guide this morning. He is, he is here for you. He is saying, here's the information and here's what you do with it. Here's the info and here's why it's relevant to you. Here's what you need to do with it. We have two points to the sermon this morning. Two points. And, and each time we're going to get the information and we're going to see, here's what we do with it. So point number one is, our great high priest has passed through the heavens, so let's hold fast our confession. That's point one. And then point two, our great high priest is sympathetic and sinless, so let's Draw near the throne for help. Those are the two points. Two points. Straightforward, quick sermon. I lifted the points almost directly from the text of Scripture. So let's get into it. Number one, our, our great high priest has passed through the heavens, so let's hold fast our confession. Verse 14 is 
Such good news for us. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Last week, we talked about the couple of the scariest verses in the Bible. If you just want terrifying Bible verses, then the, then the two verses right before today's verses are terrifying. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, none of us, is hidden from His sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Not only does He see us completely, but we must give account to Him. We must stand before Him in judgment. The God who created us, the God who right now is graciously and patiently keeping us alive, the one who, the, the, the one who has been incredibly and, kind, uh, incredibly kind and patient toward us, He is the same God who must and will punish sin. He is perfectly holy, And He has created us so that we would honor Him and perfectly obey Him and love Him above all things and we haven't even come close to that. We are, we either, we either ignore Him or we outright defy Him. We love ourselves and all kinds of other things more than we love Him. We reject His standard. We reject His truth. We're not interested in glorifying Him. And He knows it. If we stood before the throne of God and He asked us, why should I show kindness to you? Why should I let you into my heavenly joy, into my heavenly safety, into my heavenly fellowship, into my heavenly rest forever? Why should I not cast you into hell? What do you have to offer? What is your argument? What is your defense? What is your plea? Where is your lawyer? What do you have to say? Our answer before him would be, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing that I can defend myself with. This is the harsh reality of every single one of us. Standing before God, we have nothing. Unless, of course, we have Christ. The scariness of verses 12 and 13 ought to make us very, very thankful for verses 14 through 16. Because if we have Christ, we don't have nothing. Our verses today teach us if we have Christ, we have a great high priest. It is true, without Christ we have nothing. But with Christ, we have a great high priest. And we have a great high priest who is completely unlike any other high priest in the Bible. Over the next um, several weeks, actually, we're going to look at the ins and outs of what makes Jesus' priesthood and Jesus' sacrifice and Jesus' covenant and and, and, and what what makes Jesus such such a great high priest. What makes him so completely different from any high priest who came before him. We're going we're gonna to take a, a deep dive into that subject over the next several weeks. What sets Jesus apart? But for today, 
today that, that Jesus' great qualification that the author of Hebrews wants to point out to us, today what we need to see is Jesus has passed through the heavens. Jesus has passed through the heavens. We, are, we tend to be silly people, you, you and I. Christians who have heard a lot of the Bible, we tend to not be amazed by the stuff that's really amazing. We tend to get caught up in silly things that don't matter, and the things that should blow our minds, we're like, yeah, yeah I've, heard, I've heard that. Like if, I told you, if I told you that, that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, or even after he was raised from the dead, if I told you that Jesus like flew without a spaceship and without a space suit and with no, no helmet or you know anything, uh, he, he flew to Mars and he had a pizza there and drank a Sprite or a Sierra Mist and flew back, we'd be like, whoa, that's crazy! That's crazy! But then when we say, Jesus is pastor of the heavens, we're like, oh yeah, I heard about that. We're just kind of, we get numb to things. Jesus didn't just leave the galaxy. He left the universe. Jesus went to a completely different realm. Like, like Jesus, Jesus left time and space. He left it. He's in the eternal heavenly presence of God. He is right now serving as the high priest for all those who belong to Him. He's gone where even if we had the technology to kind of figure out the, the best um, humanly possible spaceship and we, and we somehow could, in, the, in one person's lifetime, somehow get all the way to the end of the universe, we, we'd still just be in the universe. We can't go any further. Jesus has exited the universe. He's in a completely different realm. He's in the heavenly presence of God. And, and, and what gives him the right to be there? We, we understand that being supernatural, he has the ability to get there. What, but, the, but the author of Hebrews wants us to, to, to see, and he's going to unpack this in the verses to come, what gives Jesus the right to exit the universe and to go to the heavenly presence of God. What gives him the, the right as, a, as fully human to do that? It's because Jesus has made the perfect final offering for our sin. Jesus is the great high priest because he has made the perfect final once and for all offering for our sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he spilled his own blood for our sin, his own perfect blood for our sin, and this was a gr- far greater sacrifice than the other priest had performed because it was the perfect final offering for our sin. So he is the only high priest who is qualified to stand in the heavenly presence of God. And so now listen with listen to me right now if you are in Christ if you are in Christ, if, if Jesus is your high priest, then you have eternal peace with God. Our sins have been completely and finally paid for. And we have 24-7 access to the throne of grace. I, um, you're going to have to like excuse a little bit of like uh, liberty here. Like me, I'm, 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 I'm illustrating this and so I'm, I'm using human terminology because we, we can't get our minds around it. Otherwise, but I think you and I can understand this in, in our broken way, in our, in our finite way, we can understand that Christ has given us 
eternal safety with God. We are, if we are in Christ, we are, we are, we are not going to suffer the torment we deserve to suffer. And not only are we, are we not going to suffer the eternal torment we deserve to suffer, but, but we, are going to, we are going to enter into the eternal joy of God. Like if, if, if God, think about who God is, if He throws a party, imagine how good of a party that's going to be. If, if, if God is going, to, is going to fellowship with people He loves, and He's going to feast, and He's going to celebrate with people He loves, and if God is going to keep the people He loves safe, can you imagine how good this is going to be? Now imagine that, that all of that, that eternal joy with God, imagine that that's just like on the other side of a, of a door, right? And that, I know, that's a stupid illustration. But just imagine, and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bouncer there. And he's just looking at us like, there's, there's no way you think you're coming in here. Why in the world do you think that you would come through this door into this? And, and then Jesus, he's got, the, he's got the lanyard with the all-access pass because of his perfection, his, his righteousness, his holiness, his obedience. Jesus has this lanyard with the all-access pass. And, uh, and, and Jesus got a whole whole bag of them. And he says to the bouncer, actually, they're with me. And he just gives us these all-access passes. He sticks them on our neck and says, you come in. You can come in. He's with me. She's with me. He's with me. She's with me. They're with me. Jesus is the only one that if we're talking about merit, if we're talking about what we actually deserve, Jesus is the only one who deserves to enter in. And yet he has bought us access with his blood by suffering for us. He has, he has bought our entrance in. So he's sticking that all-access pass around our neck and he's saying, come on in, come on in. You come in, you can come in, come on in. He's with me. She's with me, they're with me. Our great high priest has, has brought us into the eternal joy of God by once and for all paying for our sins. So that's the information. That's the information. That's the theological truth that the author of Hebrews wants to drill into our thick skulls. What do we do with this information? He says you hold fast to your confession. You hold fast to that. You don't turn away from that. You hold fast to that. Which, which means you, you say it out loud. A confession is something you, you say. You, you publicly say it. So, so as we're going through our lives, we, we, we declare it. We declare it to people who already believe. We declare it to people we don't believe. We declare it when we're under duress. We, we declare it when times are good. We declare, this is my only hope. In Christ alone. In Christ alone I stand. We hold fast to our confession. And if you don't believe this, and please believe it now, if you are without Christ, you have no hope. You stand before God and you have nothing to offer. If you're not trusting in Christ alone and His death on the cross to save you from your sins, to, to bring you into the eternal joy of God, to, 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 to give you escape from the hell that you deserve, if, if Christ alone is not your only hope, then you have nothing 
You stand naked and exposed before God and you must give account to Him and you will be judged for your sin. So please believe the Gospel. And if you believe the Gospel, you hold fast to it, come what may. You rejoice in that every day. So our great High Priest has passed through the heavens, so let's hold fast our confession. That's our first point. Our second point, number two, our great High Priest is sympathetic and sinless So let's draw near the throne of grace for help. Our great high priest is sympathetic, excuse me, whoa, sympathetic and sinless. So let's draw near the throne of grace for help. Verses 15 and 16, they say that. I'm I'm just lifting this from the the verses, really. 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So it's, it's difficult for us to imagine someone without like a spaceship and a space suit just flying to Mars, much less just like leaving the universe. It's, it's hard for us to imagine a human, because this is a human we're talking about. Jesus, the, the, the other Hebrews, is him, he's, he's like, it's very important to him that we understand that it's Jesus who has, who has passed through the heavens. That this is his human body. That when, when, when Jesus confronts Paul from heaven, when he con- confronts Saul on, on his way to Damascus, when Jesus says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus is still claiming his human hometown. Jesus is flesh and blood. It's, a, it's hard for us to imagine someone who's flesh and blood like leaving the universe, flying through and then entering like this realm where space and uh, space constraints and time constraints are no longer at play. It's, that goes be, like that's a lot for us to take in. And one of the things that happens is we start to think of Jesus as someone who doesn't get us at all. I um. I like um, sports. I pay attention to sports. I, I have a few sports teams, and um, but it's really hard for me to to root for anybody. Even my favorite like teams, it's hard for me to root for them, the pro athletes, when they get into contract negotiations. Um, so you've got this pro athlete who, what he does for a living is play a game. That's what he does for a living. Plays a game. So, he's frustrated because the team that he plays the game for is only paying him $16 million a year. He really wants $20 million. He's just having a hard time understanding why they wouldn't pay him that extra $4 million. So he gets into contract negotiations. His agent is arguing with the owner of the company about that extra $4 million. And then that athlete says something like, I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. Literally, they're on record saying, I got mouths to feed. I'm like, how many mouths are you feeding for an extra $4 million a year? And what are you feeding these mouths? What are we just, are we just shoveling gold into them or something? What is happening? It makes me think these people have no idea how, like, normal people live. Right? Like, this person doesn't get me at all. This person doesn't get me at all. And sometimes we can do that with Jesus, right? We see Jesus, he... He passed through the heavens. That guy doesn't get me at all. That's a whole other thing. 
He is not one of us. He's not one of us. So that's why the author of Hebrews is very careful to say, yes, he is. He's one of us. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He, but he is one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He has been tempted just the, the, way, the way... Jesus knows what it's like to, to, to have people misunderstand you, to have people betray you, to have people lie about you. He knows what it's like to, to suffer public shame, public humiliation. He knows what it's like to suffer private shame and private humiliation. He, he knows what it's like to, to suffer physical and mental anguish. Jesus knows. He's, the, the body that He is in right now has felt it. Has gone through it. He knows what fatigue is. He knows. He has felt all the different kinds of, of, of temptations also that come along with being human. The, the body that Jesus has right now knows. It is a fully human body. And he, he knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're experiencing. I think we've all been in conversations where we really want to like um, help someone and, 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 and be kind to them and show compassion to them, but we, we truly don't understand what they're going through. We've never felt it. We don't know what it's like. Jesus does. This means he has real sympathy for you. And now, hold on to this for a second, because not only does he have real sympathy for you, but the, but the beautiful thing is that his sympathy is more than just emotion. It is emotion. We see that Jesus is an emotional person in the New Testament. He weeps, he gets angry, he raises his voice, he talks softly, he, he, go, he, he runs the gamut of emotions. We, we see that he is a human He has emotions. But we also see that Jesus can do something more than just feel for us. His care for us is is more than just His his emotional compassion toward us. His feelings of compassion towards us. It's not less than that, but it is far more than that because Jesus was also sinless. He was tempted the ways we are, but without sin. He never once sinned. And since he never once sinned, he can do what you and I could never do for each other. And he, he gives us access to the throne of grace. I, I am sure, I am sure that right now you have people that you care for, that you, that you really wish you could help, and you can't help them. I, and, and, and really, like we can think of people all over the world. We really wish we could help. And we just can't. We care for them. We feel for them. But we can't do anything of value for them. This is what makes Jesus different. He can do the thing that we truly need him to do. The thing we need him most to do. He gives us access to God. He brings us in. He brings us in. Because he is not only sympathetic, he is sinless. He is both. A sinless person all by themselves, that wouldn't matter too much. But someone who truly cares for us as well is someone who will bring us in. Who will be kind to us. 
Not only is he strong and sinless, he is, he is kind. Our great high priest is sympathetic and sinless. So that's the information. That's the truth. What do we do with it? What do I do? What am I supposed to do with this? Let's draw near the throne of grace for help. Here's what you do with it. You, you draw near the throne of grace for help. The author of Hebrews is one of his big pushes in this book is now is not the time to shrink back. Now is the time to draw near. The author of Hebrews knows this, this little church that he's writing to, they are going through it. They are facing persecution. They are facing mockery. They are facing trouble. Life is not fun. Following Jesus is not easy. And they're being tempted to, to give up, to give in, to turn back. And, and I don't know if we will, in the, in the months to come, face similar temptations. Perhaps we will. Perhaps we won't. But, but, but we all know, right now, what it's like to go through trouble. Life has a way of dragging us through it. Dragging us through the ringer. We don't always handle it well, do we? When trouble comes, when fatigue comes, when stress comes, when sickness comes, we have a tendency to respond with sinfulness. It's not the the fruit of the Spirit that comes bubbling up out of us when we are bumped. It is other stuff. It's sin. And so we we feel like failures. We feel like frauds. We we have a tendency, men, husbands, dads in the room, we have a tendency to not lead our family spiritually. to, To not say... Here is the truth of the Word of God. To, to not be the one to, to lead our family in family devotions. To, to not be the one to, to, to kind of take the, take the lead on that. And part of the reason for that is we, we feel like failures ourselves. We feel like frauds. Oftentimes we, when, we're, when we're with people who don't believe the Gospel or who are really struggling um, with their faith in Jesus, we don't speak up like we should because we ourselves feel like we're unworthy. We don't encourage other people to, to hold fast to their confession because we feel like hypocrites. I don't want to be a hypocrite. So we shrink back. The author of Hebrews is clear. Now is not the time to shrink back. Now is the time to draw near to the throne of grace. Alright, so I'm, I'm almost done. So just hang with me. It, I'm, it's really... Really close. I have one, one more thing to say, so just hang with me. Because here's, here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of it in, in my life, and I'm afraid of it in, in just the lives of the, 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 the people of the modern American church. One of the ways that we are just goofy, all right? And one of the things I'm afraid of is that we are misunderstanding the point of Jesus' compassion for us. Jesus didn't become a human simply only because we would have someone who understands us. He, he did do that, but that's nowhere near the end of the story. He, it's, it's, he, he didn't come just to bring us relief. Sometimes when we... When we so, I think maybe, I'll just say it this way, I think maybe as like the American church, I'll just say it that way, um, 
we've become really, really dialed in on, oh, I'm just so glad Jesus understands me and he knows that I'm sinful and weak and he loves me anyway. I'm just so thankful for that. And that's good. We should have that. That relief, that thankfulness, we a thousand percent should have that. But that is nowhere near the end of the story. That's, that's not the, the, the end goal. If we think of Jesus like as a train conductor taking us somewhere, he's not taking us just to relief. That's not the end goal. That's not what he's aiming for. He's aiming for holiness. He wants us to be holy. He wants, us to, he wants to change the way we live. And so, and so he, has, he has given us access to God, not just so that we'll be relieved, and so that we'll know the sympathy and the compassion of Jesus. That's part of it. That's not the end. The, the end goal is that, is that we become holy. And if we're going to become holy, we need help. We need to draw close, draw near to the throne of grace for mercy and grace to help in time of need. We need help. We, if, we're gonna, if, we're gonna, if, we're, if we're going to press on instead of shrinking back, we need help. I, 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 I joked, well, sort of joked uh, at the beginning of the sermon about always trying to figure out what to do with that information. And like, like having a conversation with a person that, I'm, that, that, that theoretically I, I love them and I care for them and I'm interested in them. Like that's just, I, they, they're important to me. But then I'm thinking the whole time that they're talking, who cares about this? Why, why, what am I supposed to do with this information? When, I, when, when someone is telling me something, my, my, my selfishness just comes bubbling up inside of me. It's just sin. It's just ugliness. I know right now you're thinking, you know, a loving husband, a loving father, a loving friend, they would just listen patiently and they would ask engaging questions because they care about their people. They're interested in what their people have to say because it's, it's important to him because it's important to them. I know. I have a hard time with that. I'd like to say that I don't have to fight selfishness, but I have to fight selfishness every single day. I have to fight selfishness every single day. I am so interested in what anything ever has to do with me and what I'm supposed to do with that and how does this impact me? Why is this relevant to me? Me, 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 me. I have to fight against that every day. So I need help. I need actual help. So, so what I have to do every day is I have to go back to the throne room of God. And I love that like the, the author of Hebrews has deftly, quickly changed being accountable to God. Who mo- we must give account. And so that's definitely a throne room kind of thing. And what does he call it because of Christ? He calls it the throne of grace. So I'm not like, I'm not like crawling in hands and knees blubbering and afraid that the, that, that, like the gavel is going to come down and I'm going to be tossed out. And, they, and no, I, I come in. I come in and ask for help. And I, I, have a, I have a big king, so I ask for big stuff. I say, I need lots of help. My prayers go something like this. Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. I'm thankful that, that, that Jesus has died to give me access. Jesus has died to give me the right to even ask you this. And, and I'm thankful 
but I, I need help. I have, I have sinned. I, I want to love the people that I love. I do love them, but I'm not very good at loving them. I really like myself a lot. Please help me to fight against selfishness. Please help me to fight for selflessness. I'll be back. Thank you. And, and by the way, sometimes those prayers are a lot quicker. God help me. That's what it is. Because I'm trying to listen to the person at the time. You know? So it wouldn't be great to get into this like, uh, big, long, drawn-out prayer mentally when I'm supposed to, praying that God will help me to listen when I'm, you know, so... You and I need help. If we're going to be holy, if we're going to actively pursue the standard that God has for us, be holy as I am holy. If we're going to see like actual progress in our lives, if we're going to see, yeah, I used to be like this, now I'm like, now I'm like this. Am I perfect? No, no, but I'm not like that anymore. So we're somewhere. Christ hasn't given us all access to the throne of grace simply so we'll have relief. He has given us all access to the throne of grace so that we will 24-7 just continually come back whenever we need it for help. Without Christ, we, we cannot get in. We have nothing. We have no argument. We have no plea. But with Christ, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He is sympathetic and sinless. So let's hold fast our confession and let's draw near to the throne of grace for help. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these three simple, simple verses uh, just packed with good news for us. And we need good news. We thank you that right now we can, without, without like... Uh, uh, trembling or um, going into great details explaining why we're here. We can, just, we, can, we can enter into your presence. We can, we can talk directly to you. And you, you hear us and you, you're interested and you, and you listen and you answer our, our pleas for help. And you do this because your son has died to, to bring us in. Help us to continually be amazed and comforted and thankful for that and help us to take advantage of it. Help us to help us to come to you. God remind us that when we are dealing when we are fighting against sin, when we are when we are fighting against the temptation to, to shrink back. We pray God that you would you would give us the courage um to draw near the throne of grace, to depend upon you um, for help in our time of need. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.